a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Comstock, and welcome to We Happy Few, the podcast that allows veterans and their families to tell their stories. Hi, this is Amy Donaldson. All my life, I wanted my dad to tell me stories about Vietnam. I wanted him to talk to me about what he experienced there, the people he met there, and how that impacted the man he became. Unfortunately, my dad is like a lot of veterans, especially Vietnam veterans. He was reluctant to talk about it. But after suffering a couple of heart attacks last month, he decided to let me do the interview I've always wanted to do. So this episode is an interview with my dad, the first half of which takes place at the hospital. So I forgive me for a little bit of uh, ambient noise and low-quality sound. You'll hear a little feedback now and then. And then the second half of the interview is at my parents' house, where my... Uh, Dad and I set up a studio in their walk-in closet and tried to finish our conversation. Um, he's a little bit more energetic in the second half, maybe a little bit more feisty than the guy I knew and loved growing up. I hope you enjoy this very special episode of We Happy Few. This is a story, as best he can remember it, of Lieutenant Dan Donaldson, my dad, my hero. My name is Dan Donaldson. Why did you join the Marine Corps? In what year? I joined the Marine Corps in uh, 1968. Why? You had a lovely wife and a <laughs> great life. <laughs> you were a student at Utah State. Uh, that's a, I, don't know, I don't know. I mean, I was not doing well in college. I was. I, you're right. I had just. I had just got married, and she was a lovely girl, <laughs> nice, nice, nice lady, but. I, I was, uh, I don't know, I was inherently unhappy for some reason. And uh, and I just, I was just looking for something else to do. And I thought, why don't I challenge myself? Let's see if I can do this. So it was, and, and, and I had, uh, I had some desire to, I, I wanted to participate in Vietnam. I wanted to. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, do my part, you know, whatever my part was. What, can you remember, like, politically what the mood was when you signed up? What, what was it that made you decide you wanted to do your part? Because certainly there were people your age who felt the opposite. Well, there were a lot of people, and, and because I was in college, I was in that environment. And most of the folks in there, if they were pro-military... They wanted to stay and get their degree, and then and then go in the military, you know, so they could go in as an officer, or go in, a, you know, ha have some advantage to just enlisting. Uh, but I, I mean, it's hard for me to 
remember exactly, but I mean, it was it was uh, th there was a lot of anti uh, a lot of anti Vietnam stuff uh, that was going on in the in the public, you know, in the. Did you know much about? Did you even know where Vietnam was on a map? Did you know anything about the no, reasons? No, I didn't. No, it no. was just about surveying. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't know anything about that. Okay, why the Marine Corps? I, again, I just thought, well, uh, why not? <laughs> but you didn't know a Marine. No one else. Your dad wasn't a Marine. No, he was no. not. I, uh, I think my uncle Kay. I think one of my mom's brothers was in the Marine Corps for a short period of time. I think he got a discharge for medical reasons or something, but he was in the Marine Corps for a period of time. But generally speaking, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it just, it just, you know, it seemed like that would be the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. So, why, you know, if what I could, if, if I could make it there, I could make it anywhere. Why did moms? What did mom say when you said you're going to join the military, or your mother? I don't remember. I don't remember having a, that discussion with my wife or my mother, yeah. quite honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, my wife still gives me a bad time. She claims that I had one of my uncle's ex-wives meet me at the airport, and it's not her. One, the day that I left town to, to go to to go to boot camp. Is that I, true? She was there, and I don't think my wife was, and I don't know. I. And I honestly can't remember the circumstances that led to that, how that happened. Uh, but I think if you talk to Jean, I think she'll tell you that, yeah, you preferred to have the ex, you know, the ex-wife of one of my uncles there rather than your wife. So who's ex-wife? Maven. Oh, Maven. Yeah, it was Jean. It was it was actually Jean Parente that was there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, that's hilarious. Mom, did you know Mom was pregnant? Was she pregnant with me? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think, I seemed like, uh, I'm trying to think. So I went in the Marine Corps. I went in the Marine Corps. It would have been Because you got married in 67. Yeah, so I went, so it, it would have been, I, I think it would have been summer or fall of 68. So I was born. Because I'm August of 68. No. So you went in the summer. I, I must have went in in the summer. I must have went in earlier because you weren't around because I remember coming home on leave for the first time. And every time I got near you, you cried. You were, <laughs> you were either deathly afraid of me or didn't like me or whatever. And, and I wasn't a very good dad <laughs> because I would... Say okay, I'm going to hold you till you stop crying. <laughs> you know, that was my that was my <laughs> solution for that. It worked well. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> I don't think that worked at all either. The opposite but. of Doctor Spock. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, <it> was a <laughs> Doctor Marine Corps. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you came home on leave, and then you guys, Mom said we lived in Paris Island. No, 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 no. That was after the fact. After, that was after I come back. No, we went to. What happened is, is uh, I I went to I'm trying to remember now, so I get this fact. I went to boot camp. Got out of boot camp, and uh, I actually had a artillery. I, I was assigned an artillery 
uh, was an 08, I think it was 0800. So I actually had an artillery MOS assigned initially out of boot camp. And uh, from boot camp you go to, I, I think it's RTR. I don't remember all the, mm-hmm. where you, it's, it, it, it's uh, advanced training, you know, on your, on your, uh, uh, above and beyond boot camp. And uh, uh, I don't think, I'm trying to remember, did I go to RTR or did they pull me out? I think they pulled me out because they said I had a high enough GCT, which is a just another way of measuring your aptitude, mm-hmm. your mental aptitude, uh, that I could qualify for officer candidate school. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I went to a casual company and waited for, I don't know, several weeks and went through that process, the selection process. There was testing, and there was you went before an oral board and things like that. Well, I got selected to go to OCS. Mm-hmm. So I basically completed boot camp as uh, I, I got promoted to uh, 10% of the, of the platoons, I think, uh, that went to uh, boot camp, Marine boot camp. 10% of the recruits got promoted to PFC right out of right out of uh, boot camp. I was one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did well in boot camp. Uh, but then I, as a PFC, then they just, I went to this casual company. And that was probably the, a very miserable time because casual company is where everybody goes. It's a holding company, holding place for the people that don't want to be in the Marine Corps, for people that shouldn't be in the Marine Corps, and then people like myself, mm-hmm. you know, that were just waiting mm-hmm. for this assignment so I remember going around and picking up cigarette butts and raking lawns and mm-hmm. it was a pretty miserable thing and I remember a good number of the people that I was in there with were obviously criminals because a number of times I remember being awakened with somebody going through my personal belongings at the foot of my bed <laughs> and we had a, a uh, box where we kept our stuff at the, at the end of the rack there, and uh, you know I'd be awakened by somebody going through my stuff. Oh, I thought this was mine. Oh, no, it's not yours. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you? What were you thinking at that point about joining? Or during boot camp? I mean, what was boot camp like for you? Well, okay, boot camp was boot camp was a different different. Uh, I mean, I was a little bit older. I was a little bit older than most of the most of the kids. Most of the kids that uh, went to boot camp with were. Uh, right out of high school and uh, I had nothing in common with them quite honestly and uh, I, I, I didn't like very many of the people that I was uh, in, in, in my platoon um, and, and I don't I don't want to knock the Marine Corps or knock you know what they what they did or how they did it but back then they were doing things that they don't do anymore you'd go to jail You'd go to you'd go to you'd you'd, you'd get in you get in trouble. I mean, they actually was hitting us, uh, spitting on us, shoving our heads in the toilet. I mean, uh, any number of things. It, you know, uh, on the guise of training you, standard attention, and they'd walk down the line, and all of a sudden, one of them would slug you in the stomach. Uh, <clears throat> so. 
and I, I, I mean, but what are you thinking? Are you thinking like, oh, what have I done? What what did, what is oh, this? Absolutely, I can remember. I can remember standing guard duty. It was part of your deal to stand fire watch, uh, and uh, and I remember I never could get enough to eat. I was a little guy, but I but I couldn't get enough to eat. So I would, at risk of being thrashed <laughs> or getting in a lot of trouble, I would put toast pieces of toast in my jacket and then I would eat on it when I was alone at night doing firewatch. But I can remember standing at San Diego at Recruit Depot there looking through the wire like I was in a concentration camp and seeing the lights of the city and seeing cars and things. And it was like, hey, you know I'm over here. (laughs) I need help. (laughs) Uh, uh, you know, but it was a there was there was a, that that's where I first kind of gotten. But but I've always been prone to be um, oh, I don't want to know what the what the word is or how to describe it. I'll, uh, I'm I'm part of the brotherhood, and and I became part of that brotherhood because I remember we had uh, one of our recruits who actually filed a complaint, and it and it. There was a congressional representative that came down and interviewed everybody in the platoon. Mm-hmm. And have you ever been hit? Have you ever seen anyone hit? Have you ever done this or have this or, you know? And it was, no, sir, right down the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have they could have tortured me. And I wouldn't have said anything. Yeah. So. Bought in. Yeah. 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 You know, it was just, it was just... I don't know why I'm getting emotional over that, but it's uh, it was just it was just part of it. I mean, it was just, mm-hmm. I, and I don't really like talking about it now. Uh, you know, I've talked to I have a son-in-law or an ex-son-in-law who was in the Marine Corps, and he told me how things were in boot camp, and they were still, you know, you know, that you do a lot of PT and stuff, you get punished and stuff, but there was you wasn't being. I mean, we had a we had a recruit that actually had a they ruptured his spleen from slugging him in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, when we went to the range, and I could shoot pretty good when I first started. I ended up being very few of our platoon members uh, qualified uh, because we were so uh, we were like stressed out from mm-hmm. you know if you were jerking they would bite your trigger finger, bite the nail, the fingernail on your trigger finger, you know, and, and then if you ever have had your your fingernail crushed and then you push on it, how it hurts, you know, well, that was to give you, supposedly to teach you not to jerk the trigger. And if they said you were breathing, they, they'd shove your head in the toilet and you'd have to not breathe <laughs> or you'd suck in toilet water. <laughs> so they, so they had... And, I want to meet the guy who came up with this uh, strategy. No, and, and, and another one of the things is, if you were bucking, basically throwing your shoulder into the into the into the gun, you know, uh, then they would stand and slug you in the shoulder till your sh- shoulder was black and blue. It was so sore you could, you know, you didn't want to, you don't want to do anything. But again, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to talk about this because I don't want the Marine Corps to get in trouble. I don't want any. I don't want to resurrect mm-hmm. old stuff. Just the way it was, yeah. and I'm quite sure guys prior to the Vietnam era probably dealt with more. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. it was it was just the way. It, I, I I think the belief was is they were 
making you tough. But at some point, um, you're like, oh, God, what have I done, turned into, um, these are my brothers and I'll die for them. And did you feel that? I was was totally bought into that part of it. I mean, if if they had given me a knife and said, I want you to crawl under the fence and we want you to go out and slit people's throats, I would have done it. Mm Mm-hmm. You Which know, is what they wanted. And, and, I, yeah. and I and I and I did, and, and and you get to the point where so you don't question, you know, you you it, 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 you don't ask why, you know, you don't ask how or any of those things, you you just you're just resolved to do it. You you, know, you just resolve to do, do whatever the you're 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 assigned or are tasked to do. But, are you writing, Mom, or at this point? Or I know I read some letters you wrote, Grandma, which was, was totally a, different. That was the funny thing about those letters. They would dictate our letters. We would sit down on, I can't remember it was Saturday or Sunday afternoon, and to write home. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the drill instructors would actually dictate what we wrote, Dear Mom. And even though you can ask Mom, she got letters that were addressed, Dear Mom. I couldn't say dear wife or dear Jean. You had you to write what they you had to write what they dictated. So okay, you're you're all writing the letter home. Dear mom, okay, dear mom. That's what I wrote. You know, things are fine here. You know, blah blah. You know, kind of went on that way. Your son, and then you'd sign your name. <laughs> so she actually got letters from me that said, "Dear mom, love your son." <laughs> uh, so what was it like? So you came. Yeah. So I ended. I went up the casual company. I was there for a number of weeks, uh, going through the process of the selection process, uh, and and that was different too because I was, I had a job or I was working with the, uh, I was working with the Navy, so when I wasn't picking up cigarette butts, cigarette butts or doing some menial task, uh, well they decided that I could think. You know, you know that I had a brain, yeah. <laughs> and so I went to work for uh, an optometrist shop, where I actually I could read, I would read the prescription on the lenses, and then I would file the lenses under that prescription number. You know, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they had a little device that you looked through, and I could read the. And you how know, long did you do this? I don't know, a couple of weeks or so. I mean, I, you know, it's. It's, it, it, but I was actually working with the Navy, and I remember talking to the Navy guys, the enlisted Navy guys, and they said, oh, this guy, he's, he wants to be an officer. He's going to be a Marine officer. <laughs> he's nuts. This is, you got you got to rethink this. You, you know what the life expectancy of a second lieutenant is in Vietnam? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they would, they'd use that and, and basically say, oh, you, know, you, want, you want to be an officer, huh? You want to be a big shot? And, and, and I really didn't. I mean, it was just, but it just, I just thought, I didn't, when I ended up with a, how, how they decide what your MOS is going to be, I don't know, but I had an artillery MOS. <clears throat> I did not want to be in the artillery. Mm-hmm. The idea of firing cannons and things just did, did not, it, it didn't, yeah, it didn't, didn't appeal to me at all. So, yeah, so I got selected. So then I started all over again. So I was actually discharged. So I have a discharge from the <coughs> from the Marine Corps as a private first class. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got, uh, what, was that, what did they call us? Um, I don't think it was officer candidate. I can't remember what they called us in OCS. But anyway, uh, so then I went back in. 
the Marine Corps, you know, re, re, re-signed up or whatever and went back in uh, and went to OCS. And uh, Was there a boot camp for that? Yeah, that, that was OCS. Yeah, that was OCS. And I killed it. Mm-hmm. I, was the, I was the honor guy mm-hmm. at OCS. You know, I mean, I'd gone through enlisted boot camp, mm-hmm. and I had gone through... It, I mean, I guess you always want to think that yours... Your experiences were worse than anybody else's, or whatever. But they were they were severe enough that, I mean, OCS was like a cakewalk for me. Yeah. You know, and and is uh, that the word, Grandpa? I got something on you, or? Well, that no, that was actually at the basic school. Okay. So you go to OCS for what is it, twelve weeks or whatever it is, and uh, so I went. To, it's it's like going to boot camp all over again, but it's the officer version of it. Mm-hmm. And then in my class. I had, uh, I was an, an ECP, which was the Enlisted Commissioning Program. Mm-hmm. So I, I, there were a, some several ECPs. There were um, uh, some college graduates mm-hmm. that went in, you know, through their college or whatever. Uh, and there was another group. I'm trying to remember what the other group was. Uh, I, I don't recall. But so we were, we were kind of made up of this, you know, this different, all from these different backgrounds. And... I, again, it was one of those things where I, I didn't really like any of the people that I was with. In fact, it was I, it, one of the things that probably drove me is I was going to be better and tougher than every one of them. You know, we'd have a run, and it was dog eat dog. You'd just run right over the guy in front of you. He was going too slow. Mm-hmm. Too bad for him. <laughs> I've seen this mentality in my life. <laughs> I've seen this manifest again. Yeah, so. You know, you know, and, and and it was. I mean, it was brutal. I mean, you know, you're, you're in, you're, you, you don't want to be, you don't want to be considered one of the malingers or one of the guys that can't do it. You want to be right up there, you know. And so the drill sergeant turns around. He's breathing heavily. He's sweating. He turns around, and I'm looking him right in the eye. Mm-hmm. I'm right on his. I'm right on his bumper, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was the <laughs> you feel better about that, about being in that situation? Do you feel like this is the place I need to be? Well, no, I yeah. I, I, I was happy with that. I was yeah. definitely happy with that. I mean, I, I, you know, but I was in that, I was, it, I still wasn't, I still wasn't thinking much about Vietnam or anything like that. We, there was a, there was quite a bit of talk about that, you know, what, you know, that you were going to do. And, and some of it again was, you know, rough talk, tough talk, you know, uh, locker room talk you know those sorts of things you know but uh but then following ocs after i graduated from ocs then we went to the basic school and the basic school was six months and it's it, the way they then the way they described it it's like going to junior college just as like going to college mm-hmm. you know you, i lived at home uh your mom and i and you lived in mm-hmm. woodbridge virginia Mm-hmm. And that's where I chased you around, if you remember. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, you'd giggle and laugh, and we kind of had a circular hall. That's where we uh, developed the game uh, Wild Pig, right? Well, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would chase, I would that. chase you, you know, <laughs> and you would, you had, you had a, a sense of happy gi- uh, giggle. I mean, you, I could just get you giggling, and it was, it was hilarious. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, th- so that part was good. I like, I like that. Your mom just about burned us out one day. She cut the. <laughs> She caught the cabinets on fire, I think, cooking French fries. <laughs> and I remember I remember uh, having a very serious talk with the 
owner of the of the apartment. He wasn't happy. <laughs> yeah. So I would show up late to formation and did that any number of times. And I remember I had a captain. I can't remember his name. He took me aside and you know said he called me Dawson. He had a kind of a accent. He couldn't mm-hmm. say Donaldson, but he said Dawson. Mm-hmm. So he said. <laughs> Candidate Dawson, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and and I remember thinking, well, I've got to say something. So I said, it's my wife, sir. <laughs> She's not happy. So then I had to rush home and tell Jane, all the wives are coming to see you to see if they can make your life better than what it is. Because <laughs> I told them that you weren't happy, and she wasn't. She was very unhappy with that. Because <laughs> then she had to sort of. Live out this lie, <laughs> and basically, it was just me wanting to be a slug. <laughs> so, uh, so we we got out of the basic school. I That's got, when Grandpa came. And yeah, I got commissioned. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he actually swore me in, and then he pinned my he pinned my uh, gold bars on. What was that like? Oh, it was all right, and you know there was a, there was a general there, and you know I mean it was. Did it, it make you miss your dad though? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it, it, it really did. Yeah, uh, but but you know, under the circumstances, it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was again, it was you know, kind of nice. It was yeah, it, it was kind of nice. And, and 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 now at this point in time, now I was actually looking forward to going to Vietnam. With one one, I had one really concern <laughs> about going to Vietnam, and that was I couldn't read a map. <laughs> I mean, uh, I was horrible. I think this is genetic. (laughs) That was, I was absolutely horrible. I mean, uh, I remember being in charge of the whole platoon one time, and we were marching someplace, and they would run up to you and say, okay, show me where you are on the map. Uh, Here. (laughs) It was just like throwing a dart. I don't know. So, uh, but you get you go to Vietnam now. Do you know the guys? Are you well, had no, you been no, with those no, guys? We still yeah. didn't. We still had a. We still. Uh, we, your mom and I. We went to uh, well, and you too. Mm-hmm. We went to California. We went oh. to. We we lived in San Clemente for a period of time. I went to Camp Pendleton, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a there was maybe twenty or twenty five second lieutenants just out of the basic school, uh, and. We went to Camp Pendleton, awaiting orders to go to Vietnam. So we were there again, and that was weird too because we had two sergeants who were sort of in charge of a platoon of second lieutenants. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, sir, uh, are you ready to run? <laughs> and it was it was weird, you know. They're yeah. they're they're. Tell us what to do, but they're not telling us what to do. Yeah, yeah very yeah. respectfully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, um, it was kind of that was that was that was kind of different. So we basically did PT. Okay. We did we did PT. How long is this? It wasn't long. It was a, a month yeah. or two. Okay. Yeah. And then they signed you a unit. And and no no and then and then we got orders to Vietnam. Ninety nine percent of the guys in that platoon went to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. That's what they were waiting to do. So we got orders to go to Vietnam, and uh, um, how are you transported to Vietnam? We got on a commercial airplane. Blew over. What yeah. did Mom think? 
no discussion. She's pregnant well, at this point, right? Yeah, she, she's pregnant with Mikey, and 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 I'm, I'm going to sound like a jerk because I remember telling her, "Okay, I'm going to Vietnam, and I'm going to get killed. This will be the last you ever get to see of me." <laughs> <laughs> that would be her recollection. That would be yeah. what she said, you know. So I I, I wasn't nice. totally mature about everything. I mean, I should have said, you know, that, you know, we could have had. A serious talk should have had a serious talk about things, you know, mm-hmm. but that was it. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a commercial flight over, uh, and then how do you meet the guys that you? Started? Well, then you then we went, and I I got there just after the um, they had a big uh, Tet. Do you remember Tet? Mm-hmm. And I got there just on the tail end of Tet, mm-hmm. and there was still a lot of turmoil around. So uh, I I remember being. Uh, I, I think it was in somewhere around Da Nang, uh, and I remember basically uh, running for foxholes and in trenches and in bunkers and things. And we were there probably, you know, probably a week before we actually got our assignments to where we were going. And I, I'd never even been issued a firearm. <laughs> so you're running into a box with no so, so, yeah, so we were taking rockets and things like that. Like I said, it was the tail end of Tet. Tet was pretty much done, mm-hmm. but it was just the last gasp of that, and it was pretty hectic. I mean, there was, you know, the major, major uh, airports and things like that were still taking shells and things like that. Uh, uh, but so that, that was weird. But I ended up uh, going to the 26 Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was in uh, 1st Battalion, Alpha Company, and I had a platoon. I had one of the platoons in Alpha Company, and my uh, my uh, uh, com- company commander was an uh, old Mustanger. He had been an enlisted guy. Mm-hmm. I think he'd been worked all the way up to 1st Sergeant or so, and then he had gotten a commission, mm-hmm. and so he was there as a captain, and he had, he had done at least that was at least his second tour. It might have been his third or so tour mm-hmm. of Vietnam. <clears throat> so he was my he was my company commander, and uh, uh, and and I had this. I remember I, I I I really wanted to be a good lieutenant. I wanted to be a good officer, and I, and you hear all of the the. Um, Stories, the cliches, you know everything, you know. I didn't want to fit any of those, you know. I didn't want to be Lieutenant Fuzz, <laughs> but in essence, I was. I mean, I looked like I was sixteen years old, you know. I didn't have any facial hair. I couldn't grow a beard or anything. You weighed about one twenty-five, something <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, buck twenty-five. I was in terrific shape. Yeah. I mean, I was in phenomenal shape, but yeah, I, I was probably a buck twenty-five of that, yeah. you know. Uh, so I, I remember. <clears throat> When I got my platoon, I wanted to, I wanted to address them. I thought that's a that was a thing that a good officer should do, and uh, so I had I had a, a my guide. I didn't have a platoon. I had a platoon sergeant, but I couldn't find him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where he was. It was it was a weird guy. He was a it was a Mexican guy, mm-hmm. Mexican descent guy, and he always walked around in. Uh, uh-huh. uh, t-shirts, yeah. you know, and his camel pants and everything, but he was constantly combing his hair. I mean, his hair was meticulous. He was constantly combing his hair. I don't think he ever had. I don't think he ever put a helmet on. He couldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I never could find him. Uh, uh, 
so I had my guide, my Sergeant Brew. I remember hit this guy, that guy's name. I can remember so very few names, but I remember Sergeant Brew, Jeffrey Brew, and I told uh, Sergeant Brew, I want you to assemble the platoon, and I want to talk to the platoon. And I remember him looking at me, and he said, "Well, why?" <laughs> You know, but I said, you just, you do it. <laughs> yeah. So I had the platoons fall out, and it was a, it was a, right out of Hollywood casting. <laughs> you know, and it was, I mean, I had unshaven, un, I mean, I just had a, it would just look like a, guys had, I'd t- gone to some penal colony and picked them up. <laughs> Well, there was a few exceptions. Yeah. There, were, there were a few clean-cut-looking guys, but for the most part, I mean, I, they were just a bunch of grungy-looking guys. And uh, so I, you know, gave some little talk or whatever, and then I sort of asked, you know, what what what, what are your complaints? What can I do, you know, to make things better? And the, one of the major things that that uh, their complaints were is they they couldn't get uniforms they couldn't get new uniforms they had, a lot of them their boots were all falling apart they were taped together i mean they really really looked ragtag really looked ragtag and so i checked around and basically how could i do how could i get you know uh replacement uniforms for them and i found out that i could go into denang and go through what they through what they called the dead bins uh, for guys that have been killed Mm-hmm. And so I'd go through the dead bins and get uh, utilities and and uh, boots. boots and things like that, and uh, basically got everybody resupplied by doing that. Uh, did you uh, do that on your own? Yeah, I did. I, I, yeah, I I, t- I I I can't remember the. I, I finagled a got a big six by truck, mm-hmm. and went in and and uh, went through the dead bins and. Uh, 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 came back with a load of <laughs> a load of uniforms and stuff yeah mm-hmm. so uh, and, and my, obviously my hope was that I would curry favor with my with my troops I really didn't it really didn't make much difference I think uh, they, they kind of looked at you like a mongrel dog mm-hmm. you know they had you know they, they were very suspicious of you you know what's your motivation how, how and when are you going to you know well, because you have uh, abandon us or whatever, you know. You have the ability to put them in danger too. Your decisions. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, and and and, and uh, I, I heard a lot of that. In fact, you know, not to jump ahead or jump. Up, I actually had an incident with one of my corporals, one of my uh, 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 squad leaders, where we had pulled our forty fives and had our forty fives pointed at each other's head. You know, pretty, um, pretty. Why? Well, because what we would do is, <coughs> uh, with the twenty six Marines, with uh, Alpha Company, we got assigned to a uh, uh, artillery fire base, mm-hmm. and so we were. Our duty was to maintain perimeter security, and also we would. We had little uh, outposts that we manned at night, uh, listening posts and things like that, and then we ran patrols out of there and stuff. So I would make assignments. <coughs> Uh, through the squad leaders to man the the uh, listening posts and things and the, and I can't remember the timing out now but maybe every 30 minutes or so we would do a sit rep 
we'd call them on the radio and you know I think it was one click if secure two clicks if not secure so we were calling them and everything well I come to find out they're not even in the they're not even in the listing post they're still they haven't even left the perimeter and I was I mean I was beside myself I I was I was I'll probably mispronounce this word but I was epileptic <laughs> I was yeah. berserk yeah you know yeah. and uh so I went to the corporal, and this corporal, his name was Corporal Wright, and he was English. He wasn't even an American citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, they had, you know, non, yeah. non-citizens non in the military, yeah. in the U.S. military. He was an English kid, and uh, we ended up pulling our pistols, pointing at the, our pistols Just at each other. arguing over what was happening well, and why. It, yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and, and he was saying, you know, if you want to— if you're if you're so anxious to go up, have somebody go up to those listing posts, you go up. You go to the listing posts. Well, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it was there was there was truly a lack of. It wasn't the discipline, the you know, the machine that, that you know. I wanted a machine. Yeah. You know, that's what I wanted. That was you know, and I had a clunker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that that changed. How did that standoff end, though? How did you calm it down, or how did he? Well, actually, my platoon sergeant, who I got another platoon sergeant, I let the guy, I got rid of the guy that's always combing his hair. Mm-hmm. I complained to the captain. I said, this guy's no good. He said he, he won't go out on patrol. He won't do this. He won't do that. He makes assignments. He just stands around in his nice, clean shirt, puts on cologne, and combs his hair. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't want him. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, give him to somebody else. I don't want him. So uh, we got a replacement, mm-hmm. and <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> the replacement was uh, Alan J. Kellogg. I remember this name. <laughs> we said, and, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So he was your sergeant. So what did he, he do? Was my, he was my platoon sergeant. Well, as nice and clean as the other guy looked, <laughs> Kellogg looked like a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd shave for a week. <laughs> he smoked Pall Mall cigarettes <laughs> incessantly, one right after the other. <laughs> he, he, he couldn't say two words without saying the f bomb. <laughs> I've, never, I've, never, like I've never, I've never, I've never, I've never seen the f word connected to so many different words. <laughs> uh, but back to back to right, uh, I had, I had gotten Kellogg and I remember it, it, when they when I went with Captain Bailey uh, uh, he said I'm going to give you this guy he said I don't think he's I don't think he's you're going to have to watch him he said he's he's not a good he's not he's no good he says he's a bum he's a and I'm paraphrasing yeah, yeah. you know you know he's he's constantly in trouble you know this was Kellogg was this was Kellogg yeah. yeah I mean his service record book he went from corporal to sergeant to corporal to corporal, to sergeant, to staff sergeant, to corporal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he was he he just he just had issues. He had yeah. disciplinary issues. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but anyway, th- this was Kellogg's second or third tour. Okay. You know, so so I got Kellogg. He was a staff sergeant at that time, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, we sort of did our th- you know we didn't really have much to do, but. I mentioned this because when I had this standoff with Corporal Wright, 
Kellogg came up behind Corporal Wright and put his forty five against the back of Corporal Wright's head. Corporal Wright decided to holster. <laughs> <laughs> And there we go. <laughs> <laughs> the loyalty was... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so now I have... You're exactly right. Now I have my guy. Someone's got your back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we got fragged. Kellogg, Kellogg and I got fragged. Uh, we were in our hooch. Somebody threw a grenade in. Uh, we don't know who. Mm-hmm. It was one of my Marines. <laughs> or somebody's Marine. <laughs> and uh, we had a bucket, a big bucket of tar that we used to tar the top of our hooch to keep it waterproof, Yeah, you know, and uh, the grenade went into the bucket of tar, and Kellogg screamed and yelled and just busted through the side of the of the hooch. I had grabbed a hold of Kellogg's belt, so like yeah. a little boy, he just pulled me right on through. <laughs> <laughs> so neither one of us was it. We even got it, never got a scratch. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Other than the being dragged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but... Uh, it's it, it's it's a the, uh, Kellogg was a he was a it was a wonderful guy. Yeah, yeah, but but sort of you can relate to that being part of the machine, but still being a bit of a rebel. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, an independent thinker within the machine. Yeah, when when we had the troops outside the wire on patrol doing our thing on ambushes or whatever it was we were doing. We were a machine, mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you had faith in every but, part of it. But it, it happened because I was willing to let Kellogg do his thing with the with the with the troops, mm-hmm. with the Marines. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, it wasn't so important to me. It had to be my way. I just wanted them to be squared away, and he squared them away. Yeah, yeah, they trusted him. They did, mm-hmm. and, and, and if it, and if it wasn't trust, it was fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, either one works. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they're doing now. They're now doing what you know for the most part. We had mm-hmm. some that we, we you know would basically went A W O L within the wire. You know, uh, but uh, uh, I mean, yeah. He he made us a cohesive infantry unit. It had nothing to do with me, absolutely nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with him, because I remember we went out on patrol the first couple of times, and he, and when we got back, we were probably gone. I don't know a week maybe. And when we got back, you know, he said, uh, and this is going to sound sound kind of harsh, but he said, "How come you don't want to kill any?" To you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, I want to kill." <laughs> As you know, you know, what are you talking about? He said, "Well, you're doing this all wrong." <laughs> so, I, I listened to his suggestions. The next time we went out, I followed his suggestions. I think we got three or four kills. Mm-hmm. You know, so he he knew what he was talking about. So, yeah. So, I mean, he he knew what he was talking about. He was an he was a soldier. I think this is a great time to take a break and hear from the businesses that are making this podcast possible. If you support us and what we are doing, please support them. Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. 
nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. You've just met Alan Kellogg. So he became your patrol sergeant before that? He he had become my, yeah, he was assigned to my, as I told you before, the captain told me that I was getting a new patrol sergeant. I'd asked for a new patrol sergeant. Uh, I'm using the wrong terminology, I'm sorry. I asked for a new platoon sergeant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I got Kellogg. And uh, the captain spent some time with me explaining to me that we shouldn't waste time with him or whatever, but if I wanted to give it a shot, I could and and, and uh, just be cognizant of the fact that Kellogg had been promoted, demoted, promoted, demoted several times. His service record book was about a foot thick. And uh, at that time, I had no I had no reservations about giving him a shot given the fact that my prior platoon sergeant was completely worthless. Okay. So um, that confrontation happens how long after? Competition? The confrontation between uh, you and Corporal Wright. Oh, that, that, that was, was that, that would have been, no, I, I mean, if, at least a few weeks and okay. maybe a patrol or two and having had, uh, having had the uh, experience of dis- determining that I was having troops uh, not go to the listing post when they were supposed to and things like that. So we were, we had been dealing with some pretty severe disciplinary inner unit problems prior to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, after that happens, uh, you guys, was that when you had the, when the guys threw the grenade into your, I was just trying to think if we had, if we had gotten fragged before or after that, Okay. now my recollection says that we had got fragged before. Okay. I, I think we'd gotten fragged before, and I think it was sort of leading up. The, the crescendo was pointing our pistols at each other. That that was okay. that was the, the the final act of this play. Uh, uh, so so it seemed like we got fragged prior to that. So we had gone out on a couple of patrols. We'd gone out on done different things. We'd had the problem with guys saying they were going to the listing post and they weren't going to the listing post and different things like that not showing up when they were supposed to show up. Uh, I, I, th- I think Kellogg was as unhappy and concerned about it as I was. He just ne- never, we never really talked about it. Mm-hmm. We never had any conversations about what should we do or what could we do. Uh, so in my mind, my 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 recollection is, is I, I don't remember him... I, 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 I wasn't sure if he was one way or the other, uh, whose side he was really on. You know, at that, at that, the confrontation with Wright clearly demonstrated whose side he was on. Yeah. So after after that, there was never any question. And 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 there were, it, it may seem strange, but there were very few words spoken between Kellogg and I. Reference that or after that, and we never had a conversation about it. I never said, "Wow, thanks for having my back" or anything like that. It it was just understood. It was just uh, accepted. 
Okay. And so what uh, happens for you guys after that? I mean, well, where, we just, where you, what's your assignment? What are you supposed to be we, doing? We continued with 26 Marines, mm -hmm. and we continued to work out of the fire base and run patrols and things like that. Uh, as I told you, Kellogg, after running several patrols and things like that, Kellogg, you know, not, not sarcastically, but subtly sort of said, you know, how come you don't want to kill goose? And I said, well... I do want to kill <laughs> and he said well then we need to do some we need to do I, I I would suggest that we do some things differently so we ran our patrols differently based upon some of his suggestions we ran our our uh, and we set up our ambushes differently based upon some of his suggestions and we immediately started having success and what does success look like in Vietnam reference that yeah killing people okay and um, when you're saying that's not something you guys talk about, are there other people you're talking about with that? Are you talking to anybody about oh, that? No, no, no. Uh, we're not talking about it. I mean, we're not, we don't go, it's not, it's not like a football game where at the end of the game you're high-fiving or chest bumping or things like that. No, it's just understood. And, and uh, uh, everything is documented. Everything is written down, su submitted, goes up the chain, comes back down the chain. So there were uh, a couple of times where uh, we were out on patrol. Uh, we, I can't remember the process now, radioing in or whatever that we had had a an am we had sprung an ambush and killed a couple of of uh, NVA or uh, or uh, Viet Cong. Uh, and there were a couple of times where uh, it was requested by higher up the food chain. That we would actually have to uh, carry the dead, the, the enemy dead, to a location where a uh, 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 major or a colonel or somebody higher up could drive in a jeep and actually visually confirm that we had actually had confirmed kills. So there was, and I, I this is conjecture on my part a lot. You know, I mean, think, I think there was a lot of things that were reported. You know, that we had a firefight. We, uh, uh, and, and, and you claim so many KIAs or WAs or whatever, reference the enemy. And I don't know if some of those things had turned out to be false or they were concerned about it. But uh, the Marines were very much concerned about documenting, confirming everything to that nth degree at that particular time. So, like I said, I can remember a couple of times where we actually carried uh, a couple of NVA or VC uh, dead out to a place where the, a Jeep could get to us. They confirmed, and then we buried them. Um, what, uh, what happened to Alan Kellogg? What happened to Alan Kellogg? Yeah. I, 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 that's kind of an open-ended question. I, I mean... Alan Kellogg was quite a character. There are lots of things that uh, is this while he was still with me, or when he mm -hmm. we yeah. went to the Fifth Marines. Yeah, while he was still with you. Well, I mean, lots of things happened with me uh, with with Kellogg. Uh, he 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 turned when he was in the bush. When we were out outside the wire, when we were on patrol, uh, when we were in setting up ambushes and things like that, he was. I, I, Exquisite. I mean, he was he was a Marine's Marine. Uh, no one questioned him. 
the the squad leaders, the lesser enlisted guys never questioned him as to if he gave a command or gave an order how things were to be done. Uh, uh, so he was respected both because of his demonstrated abilities and also because he was a he was a scary guy. <laughs> <laughs> scary in like. You were afraid, not you weren't afraid of him. Oh no, I wasn't afraid of him. Scary I mean, I, mean I, can he was I can remember an incident when we were back in, uh, I, I think it was Hill Twenty Six, the fire base, and uh, uh, Sergeant Brew came running to me and said, "Hurry, you've got to get down to the NCO club. Uh, Sergeant Kellogg's in a fight down there." And so I remember sprinting down, running down, and uh, by the time I got a about three quarters of the way there, Kellogg was staggering up from the NCO club, and the first thing he did was haul off and gut punch me. <laughs> I mean, literally laid me right out on the ground. And I remember him saying in some sarcastic way, "Where the f were you when I needed you?" <laughs> so, I, I mean, there there were all of these things sound like Hollywood typical typo you know but they're not i mean it was he, he was he, I, I i i i loved the guy i absolutely loved the guy when we were back in the when we were back in the uh, rear with the gear you know i would try to encourage him to shave to comb his hair to take his sunglasses off to quit walking around with a pell-mell cigarette hanging out of his mouth uh to tuck his shirt in to button his I mean, he was just a slob. He was literally a slob. Nobody cares if you're a slob out in the bush. No, you know, you know. So, uh, so that that was Kellogg. And and as I said before, uh, having a conversation with Kellogg was like having a conversation with the F word. <laughs> you know, I mean, everything was. F for uh, it was just I mean and after initially I mean it was like it, it, it was it was like too much sugar or too much it was like it was just couldn't deal with it but after a while I just got used to it I guess and I became immune to it you know that's how he talked uh, so it, anyway you know uh, I mean that was him I mean he was I I, rem I remember one time uh, I, for whatever reason. He had, his boots had worn out, and they were actually flapping. His sole of his one of his feet was actually on the dirt. It was it was just what, you know how boots when they come apart and they flap and stuff like that. And so, at a resupply, I had tried to get him a pair of boots, and they dropped it with a helicopter. Dropped our supply in with a helicopter, and uh, turns out he got two right or two left boots. I mean, how does that happen? I don't know. Uh, and he wore those boots. He wore two rights or two lefts. I can't remember which. And we, I remember we, we, we sort of laughed. He says, yeah, if they're tracking me, they won't know whether I'm coming or going. So, <laughs> um, How did you get the nickname Blade? Well, I got the, the nickname Blade because my platoon uh, with the 26 Marines, uh, at some point in time, I, 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 felt, I, I felt a very – I felt like I needed to prove myself. Uh, I was, I was not a big guy. Uh, I had, I was very young looking. I don't think I could have grown facial hair if I'd wanted to. Uh, so I was the typical 
Lieutenant Fuzz, I guess. Uh, I, I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be. I wanted to be more like Kellogg, but there was no way in hell I was ever going to get there. So, uh, I guess in an effort to prove myself or to prove my worthiness, I started Walking Point as the lieutenant. And uh, there's lots of vegetation in Vietnam in some places, and so I carried a machete and I would hack through the underbrush or overbrush or elephant grass or whatever with uh, the machete. And and uh, my troops, actually, they actually gave me a plaque when 26 Marines left and, and uh, I got a plaque that from my platoon that basically uh, said, Blades Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me about uh, Mikey being born. You were in Vietnam. I was. And yeah. So how did you find out about Mikey? Well, <clears throat> it was... Uh, Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve, I think. Yeah, it was. It was Christmas Eve. Uh, we were on an ambush. We were sitting out in the middle of nowhere. It was very dark, uh, very spooky, you know. Uh, and they were doing the same. They did the same things with us occasionally. Not so much when your platoon or you had a squad size patrol out or ambush out. But usually there was some larger unit that was would check up on you, do... Uh, what we call sit rep situational reports, and so every hour or whatever it would be you know click your handset once if you're secure, click your handset twice if you're not something along those lines or, or something similar to that and uh, I remember they come up on the radio, and the person that was relaying the message to me on the radio this is just a pr twenty six twenty seven i can't remember now what what it was you know the handheld radio was just relaying this message and basically he told me that uh uh the only part i remember for sure is he said uh, uh mother and daughter doing fine uh, so i realized that my kid had been born and were you expecting her then or did you know like how much i i, I wasn't anticipating it and 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 uh some of this either goes to the fact that i wasn't a very good husband or father or the fact that i was just totally preoccupied with what I was doing and where I was. Uh, of course, I had some idea that she was to be born soon and that sort of thing, that, I was, that my wife was uh, expecting a child. But it wasn't anything that I was, you know, it, uh, anticipating. When they called me and said that, then it was like, you know, there was no slapping on the back or great, good job or anything. That was it. That was just that whispered kind of raspy message over the radio and everything went silent and everything was black. And so what do you, do you think about that? Do you think, do you wonder what she looks like? What did you think when you hurt, when that, Again, when you're I, laying there being quiet in yeah. an ambush? I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I'd like to say something that made me, you know, that sounds like I had a, a rational thought or a normal thought, but on it, to be totally honest, I don't know if I thought anything more than the, uh, than the message. I got the message, okay, my wife just had a baby, and then I was it was back to business. Yeah, how did you win your bronze star? Well, that's a that's that's kind of an unfair question because if you read my citation, my citation is based upon several incidents incidents uh, where they cite those either specifically or by dates or something like that. So 
I guess the answer to that question is that's how that, that's how and you know and and like I said, every time you had contact, every time you you know did anything, reported anything, everything is meticulously recorded someplace. So I guess at some place, point in time, someplace in headquarters or higher up, you know, someone was looking at that and said, "Hey, these this unit is doing a good job. Uh, this lieutenant is doing a good job." So you get a citation. Do you get that while you're out in the field, or do no. you? No, okay. I, no. I, 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 I knew nothing about. I mean, I wasn't anticipating anything. I wasn't feeling like I had earned anything. I didn't, wasn't thinking I should get anything. I had just, I had left Vietnam. I was in Okinawa, and I remember I was working in Camp Camp Courtney. I was the career uh, uh, planning officer. I tried to get guys to. Re, Reenlist and things. I was the career. I was a. I was a depot career planning officer. That's what I was, and uh, I just got called over to headquarters one day, and a major and a colonel read the citation and gave me a bronze star. I don't know where it is in the pecking order of things. It's probably the lowest personal decoration that you can get, uh, and it can be awarded either for uh, administrative excellence. Or it can be awarded for valor. In my particular case, I was awarded a bronze star with a V, which indicates valor. So tell me now uh, what happened to Alan Kellogg when you went with Fifth Marines. Well, Vietnam was, this was 70, mm-hmm. 70 71. It might have even been 71. I'm trying to think. It, it was the tail end of Vietnam. Everything is, everything is uh, tapering down. Uh, Units are leaving Vietnam, so the 26 Marines got orders to uh, leave Vietnam. And what happens normally in that sort of thing is the colors leave and the headquarters staff leave, but the troops themselves get absorbed in another unit. And that's what happened with us is uh, I got I got reassigned to the 5th Marines and ended up with uh, Fox uh Two five, and Kellogg ended up with Gulf two five, I think. So we weren't even we weren't in the same platoon anymore. We were with Fifth Marines, but he was in Gulf two five, and I was in Fox two five. And what happened to him? Well, uh, I, I didn't. I wasn't there. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't. I, I initially heard what happened to him from Kellogg himself, uh, because after I got wounded, I got I got sent to Okinawa, and Kellogg got wounded, and he ended up in Okinawa as well, and apparently he realized that I was there. I was st- still the, this career planning officer just sort of dogged me like a bad odor, because I ended up, I was a career planning officer on Okinawa. <laughs> I don't know if they thought I was a good job or a bad job, but or, or a job that nobody else wanted. I, I had that job again. And uh, my boss was a major, Major White. Well, I can't remember his name. Texan. He was a Mustanger. Had a real Western drawl. And uh, he was my boss. We used to play handball every day, and I never did beat him. He was a terrific handball player. Uh, but I remember uh, Kellogg coming into the office, and we our our office wasn't sep our offices mine and Major's White's weren't separated by uh, a 
closed door or anything that was sort of a big open area. His desk was on one end and my desk was over on the other end. So if you wanted to, I mean, if someone was having a conversation with Major White at his office, you could probably hear at least portions of it. Same with over with people that I was talking to. But uh, Kellogg came in because he found out that I was there, uh, came in, and uh, we talked and uh, in Kellogg's language, mm-hmm. uh, which was very vulgar, very profane, uh, and we got up and we left. We, I, I think we embraced. I think we hugged as he left, and we talked about getting together or doing something, and he left. And I had, I had told Major White about Sergeant Kellogg. I had told him I, how impressed I'd been with Sergeant Kellogg, what a, what a good troop he was, but how contrary he was to other things, other aspects of uh, being a Marine that he basically couldn't give a one way or the other. Uh, and, and so when Kellogg left the office... Major White got up from his desk and walked over to me, and he basically said, "Was that, was that Sergeant Kellogg?" And uh, I said, "Yeah, yeah, that that was Kellogg." And he said in his drawl, well, "I kind of thought that that was who that was." He says, "He's a foul mouthed son of a." B-. <laughs> I said, "Yes, sir, he is." <laughs> but that was Kellogg. Yeah, I never saw him again. Oh, you never did. Never, I never saw him again. Um, and so tell me what, how you got wounded. How did you get wounded? I got wounded with, uh, the 5th Marines. We were on a, uh, battalion sized op. We had, we were moving around, uh, and, uh, we had taken some small arms fire and, uh, 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 we had a, uh, we had a dog and a dog handler out front couple of troops, me and a radio man, and then the rest of the platoon strung up behind us. And uh, we started to take, we took small arms fire. We walked into kind of an ambush and uh, uh, the radio man, I guess he was, I, I, I don't remember again if he was in front of me or behind me. He, he must have been behind me because I remember stepping on a booby trap. I remember a, a cloud of smoke coming up and kind of a fissing sound. Nothing, it didn't explode. And then seconds later, um, the dog detonated either a booby trap or the VC command detonated something, and it killed the dog. It killed the dog handler instantly. Uh, uh, wounded the dog. And wounded me, so that's how that's how that happened. You don't know who, like how it detonated. You don't know what detonated. Well, every, every, every we were everyone's after the fact. We were saying that it was that it wasn't a booby trap. That it, basically we walked into an ambush, small arms fire. Then they then they detonated something or lobbed a grenade or something, which in, in, in essence killed the dog and the dog handler wounded me. So it was shrapnel from that. And so, and you were sent to Okinawa, and you never went back after that, did you? Well, I didn't go directly to Okinawa. What I did is they went back to Da Nang or someplace, the medical center. I was there for, I don't know, 10 days or so. Uh, uh, I got reassigned to kind of a goofball unit 
where I was in charge of the water point. So we had to conduct patrols and, and, uh, uh, you were literally se- a Vietnam water boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Security for the water point. Um, you know, and, uh, I, I did that for maybe a week or two and then they were still moving troops and moving people out. And I guess at that point in time, they figured good riddance to this guy. So I got shipped to Vietnam. So I was probably in, probably in, uh, I got shipped from Vietnam to Okinawa. So I probably spent nine months in Vietnam. Somewhere around there. Um, and do you, when you say Kellogg came to you and told you what happened to him? Actually, no. I had I had heard that. You know, you hear good things and bad things. You know, scuttlebutt. You hear it around. You know, it's like any organization. You hear, did you, hey, have you heard what happened to Joe Smo or something like that? So mm-hmm. you you hear things. I you know there was nothing official or anything, but I had heard that uh, Kellogg had been awarded the Navy Cross. That's what I was told. He got the Navy Cross. And at that time, when he came to see me on, on Okinawa and we had our little reunion, our little chat, he he was a recipient. He was going to be a recipient of the Navy Cross, which is not anything to poo-poo at. I mean, that's that's just under the Medal of Honor. It's, you know, it's a it's a it's a big deal. So and at the, and then and then Kellogg and again, an old as only Kellogg could do, he told me what happened, and you know, and and we we laughed because we had had talks about, you know, he he was never going to jump on a grenade or do anything like that. You know, he wasn't he wasn't that stupid, and uh, and and that was really part of what he did. Uh, they 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 got ambushed. Uh, he. Uh, uh, was free gunning an M60. M60 is a machine gun. It's, it's hard to free gun. You gotta, you gotta have some strength to do that. He was free gunning, and uh, and they threw a grenade at him. Uh, he says he he grabbed it just to shove it in the mud. He would, there was no intent to jump on it or anything like that. The, the it detonated, and and uh, I think he lost a testicle, at least p- part of how he was wounded. But he continued to he continued to uh, offer resistance, uh, uh, and that was the res- I mean that was the essence of of the uh, of the incident. I've read his citation, and it's the very thing that he described to me for the Navy Cross that apparently somebody looked at. I guess there's a review process with this, or I don't know how that works. But someone decided that this warranted a Medal of Honor, and he got the Medal of Honor. And uh, you were not surprised by this. Oh, not in the least. No, no, not in the least. And and we both laughed because we both said, "What are you doing, jumping on grenades?" I'm not jumping on any grenades. I didn't jump on any grenades. This this is what happened. <laughs> how how do you think your your service in Vietnam impacted you as a person when you came back? I mean, what was it like coming home? Because you came home to two kids and a wife mm-hmm. and a pretty normal life. Well, I guess normal in that sense. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure how I answer that question. I, I certainly came home. Uh, initially, I was, uh, I was, uh, I, I was still wanting to get in the game. You know, I was send me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I was still sort of pumped up, sort of full of adrenaline. 
uh, reference that. I certainly wasn't. I was. I, I wasn't. I wasn't feeling. I don't want to ever go back or whatever. It was like you need me to go back. I'll go back now. No problem. I mean that that was it. Yeah. Some some of the people we've talked to have said um, that they actually felt like you know they felt guilty about being home. They felt like they needed to go back or still needed to serve in some way. I mean, did you have those feelings or was it mostly just no? I I I. I but I think mine were more more legitimate or more I don't I don't want to say more legitimate yeah. but mine were my feelings were based upon the fact that I, I wish I'd never got on that medevac chopper. Uh, I wish I would have stayed with my troops. You know I I I was wounded but I was wounded I I wasn't going to die from this. I mean I guess I could have got infection eventually or whatever but. I wasn't, you know. I mean, I was. I, I, I that's my, that's my uh, lament. I, I wish I'd never got on that helicopter. I wish I'd stayed where I was, because as it turned out, I never got back to. I never got back to my platoon. I become some idiot guarding a water point. And so, do you know how? Do you have an idea of how it impacted you as a person? How it shaped you? I mean. Did you change? I mean, I would assume you did. Uh, not initially. I mean, when, I remember when uh, when I got uh, sent home, I got reassigned. I asked I asked for Paris Island. I wanted to go on the drill field because I felt like I had something to offer. I, wa- I wanted to train and teach. Uh, uh, I felt very motivated to do that. Uh, So I was, I was, you know, I mean, I, I was, I was wanting to do that. I wasn't, I, I wasn't, uh, uh, I, I wasn't harboring any horrible thoughts one way or the other. I guess I don't know. I, I was still, I was still very much, very much enthused about, you know, being a marine, and and to me, being a marine was being a combat marine. There's combat marines and there's Stateside Marines. I wanted to be a combat Marine. And so you didn't you didn't feel any negative feelings about it. You felt, but how? What was it like coming back? I mean, the politics in the country was different. Well, I mean, when you're in the military, I mean, that's a world unto itself. And if you kind of stay within that that circle and don't get out that circle, you know, I mean, you know, I wasn't going out to bars. That wasn't part of my life. So I wasn't. I wasn't having a lot of interaction with non-military people, quite honestly. Uh, I, I I never never had anybody spit on me. I never had anybody call me names or anything like that. Uh, uh, I was, you know, I ended like I said, I ended up at Paris Island. I was a series commander, so now I was in charge of training Marines, and uh, uh, I did it again. I was probably over the top. I was too. Too, too enthusiastic. Too, you know, because I remember uh, at the end they always have kind of a little skit that they do and everything. And nine of the ten skits were about me getting mad and swearing and throwing my hat at them and telling them that they weren't Marines and <laughs> they should all join the Girl Scouts or something. I don't know. It was sort of that. So I was, I was kind of over the top guy for a while. I think that 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 tempered. 
as I, you know, as time went. I actually, I only got to do one series, and and I no one ever said that. I, I, I mean, I didn't get relieved. I didn't lose my position. I just got reassigned, and guess what position I went to? I was the career planning officer again. <laughs> so why did you leave the Marine Corps? Why not stay here? Well, that, that again kind of happened. Uh, you know the old saying where they say if you don't make a decision, making no decision will be a decision. You know, and that's kind of what happened because uh, I was in the business of getting. I was a reserve officer. I was USMCR, and, and we used to have a little saying: "You can take my bars, but you can't take my R." Uh, uh, so I was a reserve officer, and I was looking at getting out. I think that fall, being you know being done, and uh, I, I don't even remember having any really serious talks with your mother about this, you know, with mom about you know staying or not staying or whatever. But as time got closer, uh, and every month I would submit names for augmentation, and I knew a good many of them, and uh, and I would frequently like. Oh, I, I know that guy. Well, I do a better job than he does. I, maybe I should augment. Maybe I should augment and go into the regular Marine Corps. So probably about a month before I was to be discharged, I requested augmentation and I got turned down. Hmm. And I got turned down uh, based upon – it really had to do with the fact that uh, they were looking for guys with a college degree. I had an associate degree. And they – so I – I I really believe had I asked for augmentation at the beginning, I would have been accepted no ifs, ands, or buts because I remember my company commander uh, came over to me and had my service record book, and he said, let's, let's resubmit. He said, you, you have an outstanding, outstanding – he said, the only blemish I can find anywhere in your service record book is that you're unqualified swimmer. And I – I couldn't swim, so I was an unk when it came to that. But uh, everything else, he said, you know, I, he said, you know, you have you have a better record than my company commanders, you know. I mean, you you know, but at that point in time, it was like, nah, it's, the the, the non decision had become a decision, and I was sort of okay with it. So you, were, I, you wanted to, so did, I, did, we we got out. And we, you said you never talked to mom about it. I don't I don't remember. You know, I don't remember having those conversations. Like I said. <laughs> I wasn't a normal guy when it came to being a dad and a and a husband. Mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. she your mom was my wife, but it was she was like a I don't know I don't. She wasn't quite your partner yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we weren't really we weren't really we, she wasn't a full partner yet. <laughs> so you get out, and that was when that was September seventy one, I believe seventy one. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so um, then what what. You didn't. You didn't go back to college, right? No, you? we drove home. We. I remember I'd bought a, a convertible, a Mercury Cougar convertible, I, and uh, uh, I had my brother, who was, I don't know, fourteen or fifteen at the time, not very old. I we he came out and drove with us, and we went up through Michigan. I got to see my dad's family, which was important to me, Uh, got to see all of his brothers and sisters, and uh, we drove up to Michigan and then drove on to to, uh, Utah. 
If you or any veteran you know is feeling self-destructive or suicidal, please don't hesitate to use the Veterans Crisis Line by either calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1 or by texting 838-255 or by visiting www.veteranscrisisline.net. This 24-7 confidential service is for all veterans, all service members, National Guard and Reserve, their family members, and their friends. Join us again for the next episode of We Happy Few. If you have comments about the show, please contact us by email at tips at loudmouthproject.com or on Twitter at loudmouthjason. Check out our website at loudmouthproject.com and navigate to the We Happy Few page. You can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcast, iTunes, and other places where you find interesting shows. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback and it helps grow our audience. We would like to thank our producer and editor, Josh Tilton, and our creative director, Amy Donaldson, for adding the spit and polish to our show. I'm Jason Comstock, and until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and stay engaged. We Happy Few is a production of the Loudmouth Project.